0: Back to the Catholic Reading Challenge. We are in October, and we are talking about the short stories of Evelyn Waugh. Have you read Waugh before, Mike?
1: If I if I have, I don't remember it because um, I was really uh, enjoying these two short stories, and his style is so specific and so um, not unique. I don't know if that's the right word. So it's like he has a signature, yes. way of writing. That I, I think I would have remembered if I would have read him before. What are some of his famous novels? I know *A uh, Bride's Head Revisited*, which mm-hmm. I need to read. But what are some of his other ones?
0: Well, I've made? read *Bride's Head Revisited* and I've read *Helena*. His, um, you call it a hagiography, like when it's kind of like a, well, we don't know very much about Saint Helena, um, Constantine's mother, right? Um, and it's really good.
1: Yeah, I really want to read more of him. I know Actually, that you're that one might man.
0: be one of the most acclaimed – like, people, you know, really like but that think, I'm one. I'm trying to
1: remember a third book that he was very famous for that I can't
0: remember well, then off he the did, top of my head. He did this whole series – I mean, he's had several other books. But he did this whole Men of Arms series, and I think they had to do with, like, the war years. Oh. And it's, like, a trilogy. There's three books in that series.
1: No, but to answer your question, I don't remember reading him before, but I immensely enjoyed these stories, and I thought they were great. They were short. They were funny. Um, they were um, – They brought you in to the actual time and place in the characters. So I'm looking forward to talking about them.
0: Well, and I think this – I think he's a very good example in the stories that we happen to read, which just I feel like got lucky. I just kind of randomly picked some because I hadn't read any of this um, group of – any of his stories before. So just kind of randomly picked these. But I think his do a good job of just sort of taking a – snippet or anecdote of like everyday sort of life and people and kind of it's fun making without actually directly doing so making just an observation about reality but by a very second hand yeah i think like,
1: that's well put um it doesn't feel like he's being overly like didactic or overly um instructive with his stories like this moral tale but just by showing you people in their natural element and the decisions that they make. Um, He's
0: revealing something that's true. Yeah,
1: you, you can pick up on that if you want to.
0: So let's use that observation then as we look at these stories because I think that kind of is what's happening. So mm-hmm. the first one, love in the slump. Uh, first of all.
1: When I tried to Google the PDF, I, I accidentally um, typed in love in the stump. So I did not pop up. So I was like, I can't find this. And I'm like, oh, it's
0: Love in the Slump. So
1: make sure when you do Google it, you have slump.
0: That's funny. (laughs) Um, So what 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 were your observations? What did you think about just the characters in this story?
1: Um, So when I first read the story and I was reading about them, it's interesting. Because I said, man, these seem like millennials in the year 2020. (laughs) And I wasn't. That is funny. I didn't want to be too hard on them. And I wasn't actually critical of the two members of the story until I got to the end of the story. Because they do seem like people who are kind of doing the young adult thing in that version of it, whatever time period that is in England. But um, they're not really about anything. Their lives don't really have a specific purpose. And they they come from a level of... comfortability that at least allows them to have some type of kind of upper middle-class existence Oh yeah, without too much pressure. The the, the, the female characters seem to have a little bit more money than the male character in the story. But, yeah, they're just kind of going through life. Um, They work at their job, and then they come home, and then they go to like a bar on a Friday night, like those kind of people. Right, right. Some of their friends are getting married, and they're getting to the point, I guess, more prominent during that time period where if you were that age and you had not married yet, it was it was slim pickings right that's different from today where people tend to get married a little bit later um and then they just got married because they thought well this is something that you're supposed to do and yeah. you seem good enough which is as we see by the end of the story an absolutely terrible reason <laughs> to get rock. married and there's no reason that these people should be married and they should have just kind of gone back maybe and maybe they do they lived they lived their lives very similar to the way that they did before they were married it just seems like um them getting married was this random thing that they did um without really putting much too too much thought into it
0: yeah what was the um what was the phrase he kept using um well he didn't it, really want to get
1: married it's funny he just couldn't
0: <laughs> yeah he kind of found himself in the middle of this yeah of this conversation and the which is he... interesting
1: because she's like this beautiful girl who's who's has some some money well i don't
0: know um, just, I mean, she might be good looking, but he describes her as totally. Uh, he tries to describe. I both thought of he them said she's. I thought she said she's.
1: He's, she's pretty. In the yeah. Story. Well,
0: I'm not saying she's not. But no.
1: But they a both seem. They to both Wall. seem pretty dull. Yeah. They both. There's not really anything so They almost seem like caricatures.
0: Here's the phrase he keeps using <laughs> over and over again. Well, why not? After all, he and Angela knew each other so well. Yeah. So isn't that funny? Actually, now that you say that. Now that we've just made the comparison between, like, millennials and, like, modern day people, you know, Mm you use that age category. So, but, like, people today and then there actually is a connection. Oh, my goodness. Isn't this the argument people use for, like, living together before getting married? Oh, well, we just, we really need to know this person really well. (laughs) Hmm. It's so interesting how he says, well, they knew each other. Now, he might also be being funny about it, like. They I think he really that, know each other so.
1: Oh, we know we know each other so well. Like, and I right, yes. I don't think they they do know each other so well. I, I don't really know what these people know. I don't well, know if they know I themselves that.
0: Possibly well. the other meaning too is they know each other so well they can just they don't need to be too too uh, too worried about offending the other person. They have some room to just. Well,
1: if you go a little bit earlier, I, I underline not few be overly things.
0: courteous. Yes, because then at the end of that, um, a couple paragraphs after the one I just read, of course he and Angela knew each other so well, but there were limits.
1: <laughs> well, here, here we go. And, and when that has been said, there is really very little that needs to be added. Angela was 25, pretty, good nature, lively, intelligent, and popular. Just the sort of girl, in fact, who for some mysterious cause deep-rooted in Anglo-Saxon psychology finds it most difficult to get satisfactorily married. <laughs> and then he says... I love this part. So the choice for Angela was between the discomfort with her parents in a Stanley home or discomfort with her husband in a London muse. So her parents were selling or, or relocating to kind of like the country house. Probably.
0: Oh, in a stately home. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah.
1: Um, I'm sorry if I, a stately home and and she doesn't want to do that. So it's like, well, I guess it would be weird at this time period to be like a young single, like living on your own in London. Right. You didn't. Like they didn't really have that
0: maybe. Well. I mean but also you wouldn't get all the like, the servants in the house that come That's like true. you know you...
1: But she's not gonna have that with her husband, is she?
0: Uh not so much. I guess they kind of are stepping down. She had down to sell the maid or something like bit. or
1: not sell the maid. They couldn't afford the maid anymore.
0: Stepping down. And just he a bit.
1: says about her, she was a piece of his incapturable youth. Nothing could have been more remote from his attitude than to think of her as a possible companion
0: <laughs> for old age. I love yeah, that. I love that. And then he just says, "All right, I guess we will." Yeah,
1: she really like he can't come up with an excuse in the moment when they're talking about this. And then like the next scene is they're getting married, so So it's pretty it's pretty funny. Yeah.
0: So they're married. They get married. They get on the train to take this. um,
1: Yeah, it was like a domestic honeymoon.
0: Conventional. Everyone happens to be doing this particular type Mm -hmm. of honeymoon now. So sensible. This is we're going with the trend of. I don't know. I just can I talk
1: about a trend. I know this has nothing to do with anything, but if we're going to be ragging on
0: millennials a little bit, why um, not just
1: destination pull weddings? Out all the stops. Destination weddings. Uh huh. For one, getting married on a beach in like khaki shorts and flip flops, whatever. Okay, that's all you, and I'm sure some of you might have done that. Um, that's you know just doesn't seem s- sacred and classy, but that's just my opinion. Um, secondly, expecting your loved ones are going to uh, fly to. Cancun or Hawaii to go to your wedding. That's such an expectation on them. It's just so crazy. Um, I like it when people get married at like their church, their local church, and it's it's not this novel, this like um, getaway. So that's just another. I had to get that out. I'm not going to do any more of those. This podcast
0: kind of fit fit that in. Yeah. Um, Okay, so now they're on their train. They're going to have their nice little sensible, you know, sensible little union, sensible little honeymoon. Mm -hmm. You can go have relaxing time. It sounds sensible to everyone. Um, and then he gets off the train for just a second, and
1: he runs into an old friend whose name he doesn't know.
0: <laughs> he doesn't know the guy's name,
1: but he kind of recognizes him, and they, and they get it. They have a drink, right? Here's,
0: here's a great thing: he can't even say no to the drink. He can't say no to get married. Can't say no to the drink. Yep. <laughs> the man,
1: <laughs> whatever happens to him, Impossible. to him just kind of comes. He well, goes. It's with just
0: It just happened. Well, no, sure, not why really. not? Not a mind of his own. Yeah, so this is also so funny because we all have cell phones attached to our, as appendages to us now. So we can't, it takes us a little bit of time to think of sending these telegrams and trying to track people down oh, yeah. who aren't actually that far away, mm-hmm. right? So it's very funny to us to think of this whole scenario because we don't even, this is not even a possibility in our modern world. Um, which was kind of funny to me, too. Like, here she go. You know, she would have been, like, texting him as the train starts Yeah, like, rolling. get on the train. Hey, hey, you need to start running.
1: I was curious <laughs> about how call. long these train stops were. I mean, the guy had to know that he didn't really have too much time to have
0: a few drinks. But in, in any event, so he loses track of her. And then one thing leads to another, having too many drinks, goes hunting the next day, which is, you know, where, where, where it comes in. <laughs> Uh, of course he and Angela knew each other so well, but there were limits. So, I mean, he has now proven himself to be completely useless to her Mm -hmm. and he's not even there for, they they missed the whole honeymoon altogether. (laughs) What's the funny thing that happens like toward the end where he finally, they finally are like have the possibility of meeting up with each other at the end to have like salvage some like last day or two of the honeymoon. What is? What does she say? Oh, uh, quite all right. Your friend is divine. This, These are their telegrams waiting back and forth. Why not join us here, Angela? In bed, severe cold, period. Tom, period. So sorry, darling, period. We'll see you in London. Or shall I join you, period. Hardly worth it, is it, period. Angela, period. <laughs> we'll see you in London, period. Tom, period. So, yes, they're not, they, they could. Get together and here. I mean, obviously, this doesn't bode well. Like, she's obviously having more fun with this friend he can't remember his name of than um, than him, and they haven't even spent one night together yet. <laughs> so it's not it's not going well. I mean, it's 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 kind of like watching a train wreck. Develop. And she
1: somehow this is the part at the end of the story that I wasn't clear on. So this part right here, um, I promised to go uh, to go and see Mama. Then I said I would dine with your Devon friend. So they
0: get, they're back at their flat, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's the first night. They're both back, finally see each other after, since the wedding. And so they are like, what are we doing tonight, is what he says. So they haven't even, still haven't spent a night together. What are we doing tonight? Oh, I promised to go see Mother. So they still haven't spent a night together. Go ahead.
1: Then I said I would go (laughs) dine with your Devon friend. He came up with me to see about mm-hmm. some cow cake. It seemed only decent to take him out after staying with him. Quite right, but I think I won't come. No, I shouldn't. She'll have heaps to tell her that would bore you. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 interesting.
0: Oh, yeah. They're not interested in each other. So this is not going well. And she obviously has developed an attachment uh, to his friend that yes. he can't, whose, whose name he can't remember. But this is not new for her. Remember, he alluded in the beginning of the story to the fact that she had these several romantic relationships Mm -hmm. that did not pan out, were not marriage worthy. So she's kind of... Like this. Yeah. She's not really looking for the real thing either because she seems to be another in a series. The the way that
1: they got married, it seemed like... I remember when we bought a, a puppy for a day.
0: Um, it's like oh I bought a puppy. Clarifying. It was yes. me. Yes. Okay. I said
1: oh you know we're we're a young couple let's get a puppy and I didn't really think about it. I'm I, I, I was
0: at work. I really am not responsible for this entire like story. Like a
1: movie or something where people have puppies and I and I got the puppy and then I had it for a day and then I paid to give the t- puppy back to the place which I
0: You just didn't the puppy. get all your money back. You were no. ecstatic that you got half of know, it. No, I
1: didn't give no I had to pay another three hundred dollars. Oh, yeah, it was it was I think the dog was a thousand and to return the dog it was a three hundred dollar fee. So I only got seven hundred back. I just but, can't even What I mean is it was just one of these things that like, Oh yeah, you get a dog. It's like, Oh, we're this age, we're gonna get married and you haven't really thought about it. You yes. maybe even haven't spent time with people and or talked to people. <laughs> what is exactly it like to have a dog?
0: You see all that. Yeah.
1: But with them, it just seems like this train wreck, and you have to wonder what's going to happen. I wish we could have a part two, 10 years down the road, what's going on with good old Angela. And what was the guy's name? Tom.
0: Yes. So,
1: so great. So great funny. wall. You want? Should we move on to the second story? Yes.
0: Mr. Love Days. This story was awesome. Yes. I really like the study story. And actually, this made me think of Flannery O'Connor, to be quite honest. If you had a, the similar kind of. Um, yeah, it
1: did. You're right.
0: Observation about something very true in life that we'll get to in a second. And actually, what's actually funny? Note that that since I brought Flannery O'Connor up, I've been reading very slowly. I mean, her book of letters called *The Habit of Being* is huge. It's like six hundred pages of letters. So, I mean, I'm very slowly. I'm like halfway through. It's been a couple years plotting through. You know, just reading her letters. You get so much about a person by reading their correspondence, especially in a time when people wrote letters. Um, But she. In one of the letters a while back, she had written to a friend. She made mention of she, either she or I think it was she. She made mention to a friend of L- Evelyn Waugh, a contemporary of hers, of course, across the pond, made mention of the fact that he read her stories. Oh wow! And sent either she heard it by the way or he sent. I think she heard it by the way. He said to someone how good he found her stories and remarked that he was surprised the author was a woman. <laughs> oh wow they were, so it shows like I know obviously this man had well also I mean, he probably you know comes from an era of people but also perhaps perhaps there just have, weren't that many women who wrote well actually we well, can definitely say this well there, there aren't now well there definitely aren't who, that who many writes women that type of who write the way Flannery that or or type Connor. of literature yeah no
1: but there's not that many
0: good there's right. no, yes
1: that many people who do that no there's not I don't think there's anyone who writes like her
0: no, so, so I think that she, I think... Uh, but
1: I don't think a man could write like her. I think there's something yeah, think particular about her female identity that allows her to have that type of voice. That's and, just my well, opinion. Well,
0: and so, and that's a little side anecdote, but uh, it was funny that when I was reading this, I thought of that letter exchange because there was a little bit of something in here. With the ending, I mean, obviously, th- that really rang true. Of like, a I will say this. Story.
1: It wasn't until the very end of this story that I thought Mr. Loveday was going to do something like that. Now you might have picked up on it before I did, but um,
0: agreed, it was like the paragraph before the yeah, paragraph, right then, and I said, you know what? This is actually no.
1: When he when he came back, that's when I knew. When I knew he before. Returned.
0: The, I I um yes, right. So, which is the paragraph before the last paragraph, where it says what he did. Um, and the reason I knew it had to be like something like that is the story was ending and i was like
1: yeah they can't be too it had i think to be he's like done
0: a... something here but and it's really oh bad what he did same thing so he recommitted the same crime yeah so here's the thing that i think this story is about do well do you have any ideas no, i want to hear your you take
1: because i don't i don't have like this um
0: and I underlying that, thing
1: right now so i want to hear yours
0: so i think that wa is touching on something that's crucial a crucial problem Of modernity in the last hundred years. I'm
1: smelling what you're stepping in. That we
0: have. Yes, this is actually
1: something I think about a lot.
0: Put aside. That
1: evil doesn't exist. That evil
0: doesn't exist. And sin isn't sin. It's insanity. So what does Angela say about Mr. Loveday? And also
1: that Mr. Loveday is a victim.
0: Well, what does she say about him when she meets him? What a nice man!
1: Because he's He's polite.
0: What are her words? He's perfectly sane. He seems perfectly sane to me. Because he is. He, uh, you know what my argument is? Mister Love Day is as sane as they come, but Mister Love Day, loves sin. Mister Love Day is trapped in sin. I don't think there's one insane thing about that man. The,
1: The thing that made me think that he was a huckster earlier in the story was when it talked about the money that he received from the wealthy, in, um, not inmates, but the people who were at the asylum. There's this reference to him like sure. getting, getting paid by them. So you can't put it past this dude that he has this comfortable life in this place, right? He um, committed this horrific act, right? And he wasn't put, put in prison. He was brought to this asylum where he stayed, and now he's given this opportunity, and he says, oh, "There's one more thing I want to do. There's one more adventure mm-hmm. I want to do, and I want to do it again." So I don't know. He could be like a, a sociopath too, right? He could be someone who doesn't have any um, moral um, scruples. But
0: oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, but he's...
1: you're you're right. Like the cause of this affluent young lady to to without any really kind of, she didn't. She didn't even like the part about her um, him murdering the woman on the bicycle. Didn't
0: really think twice about it.
1: It was like, oh, okay. It was like this kind of.
0: Oh well, he certainly—that's certainly not. He certainly seems sane now. But yeah. that's that idea. I think in the modern world, for people who don't believe—if you don't believe evil exists—then the way that you look at the things like murder and the things that when people do bad things, yes, well they must be insane, and we need to just—we need or, to address the mental health.
1: It, yeah, you, there must be insane, or it's this idea like, well, they wouldn't have done it unless all these bad things had have, have happened to them.
0: Now, so that there's is no not to say that mental health. There aren't people who have who are insane. Who there is mental. Sure, health.
1: but but the thing I think which you show is like it takes away human agency completely, and we, we this is a topic that yeah, it could get you not in trouble, but there's so many. It's funny. I was talking to my students about this. We're doing um, the Great Divorce. Oh,
0: uh huh.
1: And one chapter in the Great Divorce, there's this Anglican, former Anglican priest, who um, is talking to this person in heaven. And this guy didn't believe in a literal heaven and hell. He didn't believe in the resurrection of Christ, and he thought he was this heroic figure. And and I remember I told the kids when I was when I was teaching at the math, which I sh- still do, I was at a parent teacher conference and I was reading um, the Screwtape Letters by by um, by C.S. Lewis. And someone came up to me who was a person of, of the Catholic faith and said, why are you reading that book? Like totally unsolicited, which is always awesome when you're minding <laughs> your own business. And I'm like, oh, I really like CSOS. I think it's it? interesting. She's just this, this person says, oh, I hate that book. And, you know, you're in, like, OK, tell me why. Just trying to be polite, uh-huh. even though um, I was literally minding my own business. When you teach senior theology, you don't have many parents coming for parent-teacher conferences.
0: Yes, yeah, so you're just sitting there.
1: And this person said, I hate the book because it, it actually believes that the devil's real. This person was actually the so, person taught theology, unfortunately. Um, and I say that with total intent, unfortunately. And I looked at the person, I said, this book, you, you, because the devil's real? Oh, no, that's just a psychological projection, which is not church teaching. And I will tell you, many people, if not oh, yeah. if not most people, believe that to be the case. I had a conversation last night where I had that exact same conversation, right? There's no real right or wrong. It, it's just, you know... We have these these mental things we need to work out. Everything's very therapeutic. Everything's yeah. cathartic. Like the idea that a human could actually decide to do something evil to another person, even though we do this every right. day, all of us. Right. That oh, it, it can't be that. And uh, yeah, that's a really good insight, Jessica.
0: Well, I think you hit you hit the nail on the head there. the 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 reason that we are lax about acknowledging evil in the world is that we are lax about acknowledging it in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And people in the modern world don't want to do that. And we have so many other convenient excuses for our sin. uh, Especially like to call bad behavior um, or impoliteness. You know, we just we call it so many different things and we've sanitized it. So we
1: and the universal universal depravity isn't politically convenient for us yeah in an age where everything's politicized oh, and everything yes. is polemical yeah. then everyone on my team is good right and everyone on your team is bad right, right? and if there does if there is evil that exists it certainly doesn't exists exist, exist a, a, yeah. amongst the people that I associate right. with and, and a, a wonderful book that deals with that is the the Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Yes. right if we went Man, to the I new world Hawthorne. you know we're, we're Puritans, And that that opening sequence, and we won't need we won't need a cemetery, and we won't need a jail, and they soon found that they needed both. Yes, such Um, a good
0: line. Oh my gosh!
1: And it's funny because I think when we do though, make the gospel a form of like TED Talk self improvement, right? Oh yeah. Rather than (laughs) we need to be rescued, yes, right? Like we need to be redeemed. Someone needs to pull us out of the muck because we don't have the ability to do it ourselves. But you're right. um, To confront evil in us. To confront that dark space that exists in us is something that we don't want to do. And I think it in such a a fun way, if that's the right word, but he just kind of nails you at the end with this.
0: Well, you know, we need authors from different socioeconomic cultural backgrounds to do this because he grew up, you know, he's in the middle of this, like, uh, you know, middle of the last century. English culture very proper mm-hmm. and you know by the book and so forth and he's calling it out in the people well, he's so, around. This you know? is, we that need is that profit in every single culture and economic but, socioeconomic group. But
1: what people need to realize is that like morality has nothing to do yeah. With a level of like intellectual prowess or or fluency,
0: these are universal truths that cross all of those. I would actually boundaries. say
1: people that have had the opportunity because they come from money or the opportunity of education um, are less in touch with that aspect of who they are. than yes. people who can't cover it up with mm-hmm. some type of, um, of of you know material existence, and mm-hmm. they're the people that I think are the most devious. Yeah, um, but you're right; evil can look civilized. Evil can, yeah. can look very, very nice. Um, evil can look intelligent.
0: And was able to to tell this story, pull you in, oh, anecdotes about this silly little married couple. And all of a sudden, wow, he's talking about how adultery happens. Mm-hmm. And then, wow, all of a sudden, this nice little old man. Yeah, I'm glad you, you went
1: back to the first story, love in the slump. Slump. I almost said stump again. <laughs> Because I got to the end of the story, and I'm like, "How sad!"
0: how oh yeah?
1: It made me really, really sad. How how um, careless mm-hmm. th- these people were, and how how frivolous. With
0: another person, yeah. And
1: with something is is such a value and such sacredness mm-hmm. as marriage that it becomes this accessory to your life, like the brand of car that you buy, or how you what color you paint your house, uh, and just the devastation, you know, that 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 wreaks on people. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents divorced when I was four years old. Half the kids that I teach, maybe a little less than half, come from homes that are broken, and someone made a frivolous decision someone that that slippery slope started somewhere, yeah, and we act like our decisions don't have these consequences on others which is which is absurd and and to be reminded of our own depravity and kind of the the, the everydayness of of life or whatever culture we're from that wall does to us is really, really important, yeah. And that's a lot. I guess you've talked. Brighthead had revisited has that kind of upper class decadence oh, yes. as a theme in the entire yeah. entire book.
0: Yeah, uh, it's time for a reread for me for that. So I don't. I, I feel that's a few books right now where I'm, I'm looking at rereads in there. Longer books, so I don't know when I'll get to it. But
1: that was good. Um, yeah.
0: So actually, I would encourage anyone. I know I'm going to keep this book of his complete short stories by my bed for a while because I think I'm going to be reading a lot more of these here and there because i just i enjoyed these so much and they're not that long it's just no they were wonderful in an evening to sit and read one
1: yeah i didn't even know we had that book i i always do these weird I find these weird pdfs
0: well you know this was one of these things i just grabbed at a book sale yeah well book sales were still going on in our pre-covid existence oh, come back
1: please <laughs> well guys it's been fun to spend about you know 25 30 minutes with you and we will be back next month.
0: November, yep.
1: With another um, collection of short stories. God bless.
0: Take care.